Hi, Kathy. Hi, Jojo. Jo, this is our last podcast episode. And I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a live it's episode. Ultimate last. Oh, no. Just an ultimate. <laughs> just an ultimate. Anyway, so Joe, do you know what it is? Ooh. Summer. And isn't it just? And been thinking about Angria. Pims. Well, yeah, so this is what I was going to ask, like thinking like going a bit retro, you know, when you think of like, oh, you're going to say that thing where when we were kids, everything it was, was always, hot. yeah, it was always hot, wasn't it, when you were yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah. Um, but can you think of the last amazing summer that you had where you can look back and just think of like loads of time that I spent outdoors? 2020, that first lockdown was like that. Um, and it was genuinely really nice. And I remember we used to do that thing after work on a Friday, like quizzes and things like that. And often times I would do them outside in the garden. And I remember, yeah, because I had like a platform outside which I could put my my laptop on and have internet out there and stand and watch you on a webinar which yeah. was nice in the summer so I literally I was thinking the same like when was the last time I can remember a proper hot summer and I was outdoors loads and I thought of the same one the last strong winter I remember is the time when I came over yours um, <laughs> and we went sledging down that massive hill dude seven yeah I feel like that was the last time we had a really bad like really really good snow. <laughs> yeah really good bad good like winter a bad snowfall where you know you're trapped and you can't get out when you've got the extremes of weather it's just a lot easier to entertain yourself isn't it if it's summer you can just put around in the garden you can just have an ice cream and oh, you're not having yeah. to spend lots of money and go lots of places same with winter get yourself if you can find a sledge because i remember that winter yeah. it was an absolute oh, nightmare it was your, it it was was your 30th, 30th, 30th yeah, oh, so. so it was nine years ago yeah you know wow it was your surprise non-surprise 30th birthday party <laughs> i did not spoil in fact oh, i do remember was that the same year it was we went um, on that mint picnic you took us on a picnic you took her on a little girlfriend picnic yeah we had a little uh date on date didn't we, we? did i know and it was that mint picnic and i tell you what i'd picked up lots of snacky things from Marks and Spencer's and a bottle of Gavi and it was the best date I've ever had. You were a great date. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you were an absolutely fantastic We had a good day. time, didn't we? Yeah. We laid on the grass and just um, talked about life and philosophy and boys. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and no doubt finance and that. So speaking of finance, <laughs> there you go, what a segue. But when inflation is biting at the minute and people haven't got as much surplus income to spend on stuff, yes. that's what I was thinking, like actually when it's nice and sunny, you can just lie around in the garden and you can get some lovely bits and you can go on a picnic, you can have oh, hours and hours and hours. Beach. You can collect seashells on the seashore, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> you can plodge in the water, go in the rock pools, find a crab, plodge a bird. Yeah, plodge. it's good on the Macapier word, isn't it? Plodge. <laughs> plodge is definitely a word. You saying I don't know words? You saying I don't know words? You imagine if we had an actual fight? Yeah, it's going to be at the end of the podcast with the end of our friendship. <laughs> um, over the word plodge. Um, tell you what, I enjoy frisbee, mate. Yeah, I'm a good frisbee. Yeah, really enjoy your frisbee. Unless um, they throw it too high. Well, yeah, no, yes, I have to stand quite far away. I like that one, you know, with the ball and the Velcro. Oh, uh, yes, I like Love that. Yeah, I do. We were just talking about Kirby, how great's oh Kirby? Oh, my God. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely thrashed my five-year-old at it. <laughs> doosh, 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 doosh. Um, do you want to explain for the listeners what Kirby is, you know, in case they're under the age of 39? Well, firstly, how would you spell Kirby? K-E-R-B-Y. Yeah. Like a curb. Yeah, but then I was doing C-U-R-B. Is that not curb? If you were curbing your enthusiasm about it, it would be. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're off plodge. You clearly know what you're talking about. (laughs) First time anyone's ever said that to me. (laughs) But okay. Take it. You're going to plodge. Kirby's a ball game where you need decent-sized curbs on either side of the street. Use a football. 
each stand on a curb on the opposite side of the road and you have to throw the ball and hit the opposite curb and if it bounces back into the road then you get a point and you can literally spend hours hours yeah. and if it hits a curb and you catch it you get to go in the middle for bonus points you, do. you get closer to the curb and you get bang 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 bang, bang. that's where you really stack up those curb <laughs> points but then did you do it if the other person caught the ball you had to run back and if they hit you with the ball mm. then you lost all mm-hmm. your points yeah that's the best bit Love a good old school game. And mm. you know what? I actually downloaded the other day. Oh, I'm going to say I'm lame and I shouldn't have started this conversation. <laughs> but I'm going to show you it now. And it's how to make really amazing... This a me? Flower cra- no, flower crowns. Flower crowns like off when you were a kid. You know, like a daisy daisy chain. But like how to make like really cute ones. And I thought, oh, I'll tell you what, if I had like a cute little daughter, that would be a great activity. I don't... What would you not make it? That level of detail. You just wrap it no, around. No. It, it is being shared by somebody called Van Gogh's Moonchild. <laughs> but you know, and then it, the caption is Have it, sweet people. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, when you go, because you can just go for walks, can't you? do this a lot more I at the minute. Go for walks, yeah. um, and like, especially because you've got the dog. And when it's summer, you just come back and you feel like. That like tightness oh, yes. in your face where you've caught the sun and you just feel like Oh, I don't feel like that. My hands go really fat. <laughs> my hands go really red and fat. And I said to Michael's dad, me and Michael's dad went on an epic walk the other day. We walked to Bishop all down the park and around the deer house and back. Um, and he engaged me with such nuggets as, I don't know what type of tree that is, but I know it's not a bush. <laughs> um, so, you know, I put plugs. some sticky jacks on his back and that. We had a great time. Again, another great way of having fun for free. <laughs> Tormenting people by um, drawing leaves on them. Him, you know, like sometimes when I walk, my hands go really fat and red. And he went, oh yeah, so do mine. And I think it's a thing. Mm. Oh, did you used to play in like fresh cut grass? <laughs> no. <laughs> I used to do it down the fields and like, there were just mounds and mounds of it. Um, I used to do it a lot in the hay. I used to climb the hay bales oh, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and back in the day though, when they were rounded, and you would try and push them. <laughs> Climbing trees. I enjoy climbing a tree. Oh, I couldn't climb a tree. My life depended on it. Why? Just can't do it. It's really tricky. I'm surprised you can. Yeah, so limmy. Not grippy. <laughs> <laughs> How do you climb a tree? Like just, they've got like well-positioned branches. Depends. I like the really big like oak ones where they've got like thick trunk, but then they've got big branches and then the branches are close to the ground. So you get up on the branch and you walk along ah. to the top and then you can get through. <laughs> you grow up in an Enid Blyton novel. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, because she often talks about abject poverty. <laughs> I ate have potato waffles every night. <laughs> With lashings of ginger beer. <laughs> I mean, my kids will be the same, where they'll go like, oh, shall we go to the cinema, or shall we go out for food? Oh, my God. Things that cost a fortune. Yeah, they do. And I'm like, come on, there's some hair down here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let him grab the frisbee. He's like, mum, I'm 23. <laughs> and I've got me own job, I'll go to the pub myself. <laughs> it's the worst time, I think, in the world to be having to eat out constantly. So I'm getting a new kitchen, like, ooh, always me. Um, but it means I physically can't eat in my house, and it's been two full weeks. I'm eating out three days a week, and it's so expensive. What are you doing the other days? <laughs> three days a week. Just starving because it's that expensive. Fair enough. That's, that, do you know what? That's what we call budgeting. I'm eating out seven days a week, three meals a day. And the other one, and I know everybody knows this, but didn't I even just say to you the other day that I'd filled my car up and it was £77? Oh, it's an absolute joke. 77 Mine was 80 odd the other day, and I, I just could have screamed. Jesus. And then you just don't want to drive anywhere. I know. Like, I just want to park it up and just look at it. <laughs> 
and just go, nah, like absolutely not. You'll stay there until you've learned your lesson. <laughs> it's it awful. We've got loads of cars in our house because, you know, kids, the kids have all got cars. I'm getting a new kitchen. She's got loads of cars. No, it's, yes. no, like, the relatable fun. podcast. <laughs> They've all got like different levels of shittier cars. But Jude's the shittest, but it's also means it's the oldest and it's the best on petrol. So we all just keep stealing it. Petrol problems. That is a good money saving tip. That if petrol's expensive, take a cheaper car. Take one of the other cars from your mini menagerie of cars. Orange <laughs> <laughs> body. And I was going to say, so have you made any changes to help you save some cash? But yeah, I'm hoping when my kitchen's in that I discover, save. yeah, like at the age of almost 40, that I finally discover an actual love of cooking. Um, I use HelloFresh or the other one, Gusto. Works out really, really Does effective it? for me. Never did um, for me, but mainly because then I just bought it and then didn't use it. Use it. it yeah. yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's beyond efficient. help. She's beyond help. Um, but I find that, because then I'm not going to the shop and just buying stuff that I don't need or buying a large quantity of stuff that I don't need. Like, if I go and buy a cauliflower and only use half of it or if I go and buy, like, a sack of potatoes and only use some of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. at least then you get two potatoes per thing. Yeah, and that's what my biggest waste comes from. What's your ultimate summer soundtrack then, Jojo? Oh, so yeah, absolutely love a bit of Britpop. I tell you what, you get me a four can pack of red stripe and a field oh. and a bit of oasis, bit of ocean colour scene. There you go. Time of my life. Exactly. Little Absolutely. Bit of Any field. Do you, I bet you know mine, don't you? What do I put on repeat as soon as summer starts? Is it UB40? Yeah. <laughs> um, I tell you what, it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. I love a bit of UB40. I like a bit of Bob Marley. Not in spring. Just, Any ooh, of that kind of reggae stuff, innit? Yeah. It's good, innit? Childhood thing as well. It was like, the whole street did it. So it was like, like, got a bit warmer, UB40. You was like, meat love for the winter. Yeah. Like a red wine. Yeah. Meat love for the winter. Meat love for the winter, yeah. For the summer. Yeah. That's good. Like, I am a all year round, but in the summer. Oh, you just can't beat it. Dear, I caught the train. Oh, hello. And then I always just think, oh, I could jump on a train from the now. <laughs> so talking about how much money is just being obliterated at the minute oh, in life. ridiculous. But obliterated is a good word, isn't it? It is a good word because a lot of the things that we're spending money on are things that you can't see True. at the minute. Nobody's buying shit. Um, so there used to be this sort of made-up benchmark that you should try not to spend more than 30% of your income on your rent or your mortgage. And I think like it was kind of a bit of a rule of thumb if you're working out your, what you can afford to repay and your mortgage. You try to work out how much of yours you yeah. spend. Well, your mortgage is tiny. Yours must be about 3%. 13%. Well done. You've got a lot of French. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I have heard that before. But they've just done um, looking at cost of childcare. Mm. Did you do like much with the kids when they were younger or did you have more family support? Um, I had a bit of both. Um, I had some family support, but I had to put them in nursery. Yeah. Um, and it was really expensive. So expensive, isn't it? Um, it's awful. And it's funny enough, something we talked about with Kim, who was our friend who's recently had twins, because it just never occurred to me that they wouldn't have to just pay for one place. <laughs> and you have to pay a double. So like she grew them both in one belly, but they take two places at I nursery. Know. And I was thinking, oh gosh, no, it's really, really expensive. Really expensive. Like it cancels out everything yeah. by the time she works. So for where there's two children aged um, two and three, and they're in full time childcare, you haven't got like grandparents to help out. What do you think the percentage of household income is spent on childcare um, costs? 10%? Higher draw. 18%? Nearly 22%. <laughs> you definitely just looked over my shoulder, didn't you? Yeah. Um, 
But also imagine that, like even 22% on childcare and then 30% on your mortgage and rent. Yeah, yeah, it's and all then... gone, isn't it? On top of that, there's other costs for having babies. Do you know what, though? I milked. Um, so with Harrison, I put him into nursery. I think he did a day or two, two days a week. But his nursery was open from like 7.30am till 6pm. And like I got every minute out of it. Because mm. then he had breakfast, lunch and dinner. And like sometimes I chuck a bit of toast at him on the night mm. and that was it. And like absolutely, it was so expensive. But I just have been paying that amount for the day, really. Appreciate it, I don't get to see a child however no he doesn't know no you know people yeah. have all that guilt over oh, yeah, yeah. the kids and then they don't remember in fact he was saying to me literally at the weekend i got fed bedroom school <laughs> he's gone mum i loved reception i absolutely loved it and i went did you and he went do you know what i loved more nursery and i was thinking i'm pretty sure you don't remember but i'll take it because like you say all the guilt I remember crying leaving him what a bad mum i am and paying somebody to look after my child so i can go to work mm. he had the time of his life absolutely loved it. oh yeah and i remember with lennon and jude for both of them even before i needed to put them into nursery i did because it's really good for their social skills like, yeah i don't think it's healthy for kids to just be at home with their mum all the time yeah yeah um especially when they're like not very good mums like me <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Probably better that they get some decent care at some point during the week. But I think, like, for me, and I suppose it was different for you because um, wherever you worked at the time, for me, I was able to do that. So I'd think, right, I'll do two really long days in the office. Mm-hmm. My mum will have him one day, shorter day. But then in terms of, I don't know, if I was working 40 hours a week, I could do like two really long days and then do shorter days to have him. But obviously, if you're employed and you just That's got rigid it, yeah. hours, like you haven't got And I did. And it was back in the day when, you know, flexible working was not a thing. Yeah. People are much, much more flexible now. It yeah. was literally nine to five. So they were in full days or they were in half days yeah, yeah. where Michael's mum had, she had two jobs then. So she would work on a morning and she would work on a night. So if I could get away with it, they would have some half days. Yeah. And the same for my mum. She would pick them up for a couple of half days. Literally takes the village, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, it does, yeah. It does. You're right in that the move to flexi working should hopefully help more parents. Like, even mm-hmm. just for that reason. Like, even just being able to kind of carve up the days that you are putting them in. And There's a lot of talk in the office at the minute because we've recently changed our paternity and maternity policies. And people are like, great, you know, talk about that first year and how it's great to have so much more time off paid. That's actually not when they're the most expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's the most expensive when they're like two. Yeah. And they're having to be in there longer. Yeah, yeah. Because um, everyone else has got bored of them and won't help out anymore. And they aren't yet getting subsidised by their nursery hours. Yeah. So it's yeah. really expensive. It's it really is. bad timing. I think one thing that's helped me, I guess, just even now that Harrison's in school, but it's still the same concept to kind of stretch what I did when he was in nursery, is thinking outside of like nine to five hours. So... Mm-hmm. And even now, it's not even just about the cost of childcare. It'll be like the time that I spend with him. Mm-hmm. So on the days that he's with me, as much as I can, I'll do the school run and like I'll pick him up and drop him off and actually spend that time with him. And it means in order to make up the hours, I'll work evenings and I'll work weekends that he's not there. But once you can do that, when you can kind of take away the social construct of a nine to five Monday to Friday, yeah, absolutely. and you can flex your hours, assuming you've got the ability to through your employer, um, whether it's doing it because you want to spend that time with your child, whether it's doing it to help a cost, like. Trying to box yourself in to fit everything into a certain number of hours, I think, is just a recipe for disaster. It is. Um, one of the things with flexible working now, I think 
employers have come a long way. We've always been extremely flexible, mm. certainly very empathetic with people because we're mothers ourselves and we've done all of that and we've worked in places which have been less flexible. Um, so it's always been quite at the forefront for us. It hasn't for everyone, but I think COVID accelerated people into a better culture. So you see a lot now about people letting them work their own hours or working from home more, mm-hmm. um, which we've always done. I think with the working from home, what's been interesting, because you're right, everybody's done it more, we have. I think most firms have kept some sort of working from home, even those who at mm-hmm. one point in the pandemic were saying, we'll definitely get everybody back in the office. Mm-hmm. They haven't. Like, people have kind of kept some sort of balance. And I think what I found, and a few people um, that I've spoken to have found, is that, again, it's that whole compartmentalising like your life and your head and the way that you work. So if you know you need meetings, so much better in the office. They are so much better sat around a table, talking to people and getting stuff done. If you need to put your headphones in and get your head down and do a lot of work, work so much better at home. You're mm-hmm. away from all the distractions. And I think it's nice. It's that, you know, people are starting to learn their own rhythms a lot better. Absolutely. We've always said it about like the hours. We know which people are early birds. We know which people are night owls. Yeah. And kind of you try and work to the, the rhythm of your body. It just mm-hmm. makes so much sense. We've always been good because we're on the same rhythm. We're both early birds, aren't we? Yeah. So literally can have conversations at six o'clock every morning. Yeah. Um, and do that. <laughs> but then at nine o'clock I can message and you're already sleep or vice versa at night um, at night oh yeah sorry yeah and yeah. um, we do that we'll work a lot on a morning and then do our school runs or I'll take due to college or to work there's two schools of thought on this isn't there we've talked about this before there's those people who are very definitive right I'm at home I'm turning off all of my comms I leave work at the office I don't think about anything um, outside of my hours and that's like go on holiday fine. that is it I'll switch off and look at my emails oh I don't look at the emails I know go on just drive me nuts. <laughs> we're not those people in case it's we're not, not clear. those people I'd rather have my comms on all the time little enough and gal yeah. I'm a little enough and gal um, I'd rather if somebody's got a question at six o'clock at night rather answer it then than wait till the next morning yeah. pick it all back up again um, and that just works better for me it doesn't mm. work for everybody and it's absolutely fine so I know there's lots of conversations about you know four day weeks and nine day fortnight and every last Friday of the month off or whatever it may be with any flexi options so whether it is working from home whether it is changing your hours whether it's the days of the week mm. The probably two main factors are how you work as an individual and also how other people work. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've said before, there's no point somebody in the team only ever working, you know, until 10 o'clock at night and then there's nobody else from the team around to help them do their second check or to answer any queries, yeah. send it off. Likewise, there'd be no point us shutting down every Friday when our clients are working. Like Our clients expect yeah. us to be there and they need stuff on Fridays and you can't just not be there. So yeah. I think the flex has to kind of, it has to work for you, it has to work for your business, but it has to work for the environment that you're in. We have very flexible working, but what we always do, we ask a couple of questions, which is what's your flexible? Have you considered the impact on you? And have you considered the impact on others? Um, and how you would negate those? And mm. that's, I think, fair, certainly from our company, which is has got a strong got your back culture, of how will it affect everybody else? It's okay you saying, right, okay, I'm taking every Friday off. Yeah. But actually, if that's just going to leave those two people who don't take every Friday off yeah, yeah. in the office on their own time to the calls <laughs> and um, to do everything else. Um, so there is that. I think there's a lot to be said about working to your own natural rhythms, though. And people are finding that more. Um, I also just there what you were saying about like if you're one of the two people that's stuck in the office, it's also it can go the other way because again, we're not in the UK as a society generally, you know, still the predominant. I know they're doing a four day trial, it's still Monday to Friday. Mm-hmm. And then so if you do have a day off during the week and you've had this and we give people a birthday off 
And I've said to people, oh, what are you doing on your birthday? And I've said, well, nothing, because it's Wednesday. Everybody's in work. So yeah, you're still true. that person who's off, but everybody's in work still. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of sat around, doop doop do And I find it fascinating, though, that, you know, beauty industries, hairdressers, for example, they've changed their whole their whole industry, their weekends, different two hours. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously Saturday's a very busy day for them, so they have Sunday and Monday off, just as standard. And I always think, oh, imagine if you were like a hairdresser and you were open on a Monday, you'd make a fortune because everywhere else is closed. I just think the whole, whether it's flex for like your hours or your location or your days, what it's done is it's started to put the onus back on the company to be really clear and specific um, on the measures for somebody in work and what it is that they're expected to do. Because say I want to work a three-day week instead of five. If they can actually demonstrate that they are literally doing that same amount of work in those three days into mm-hmm. the same quality and that other people aren't affected, then that would make a really strong case for it. But yeah. the reality is, I think a lot of the time, the measures aren't there. Um, they really can be difficult to quantify. Do you know what I find really interesting in that, though, is that a lot of these companies who were forced into this home working because of the lockdown, because of the pandemic, they may not have had those measures in place previously. Mm. They didn't know how efficient they were. Mm-hmm. Those kind of situations will only work really effectively if you're already efficient, yeah, yeah. if you're already getting the most out of somebody or out of your process or out of your service. You'll have to be getting the most out of it before you can export it elsewhere before you, before you can bring in any of the variables of so course. you need to get that yeah, stability course. first don't you and then you know kind of somebody's expand it out. not working effectively in the office they're potentially going to work the same level of effectiveness at home or worse yeah, yeah um yes. you know well some might work better but um the general consensus is that productivity has dropped i just think as well it's a long game i think people are trying to make decisions right now on very short term data because there's the longer term impact of people who have said fine i quite like certain parts of working from home i miss the office i miss people I need to be around them there's all new people coming in who train and they learn through osmosis and through being around people as a business yes efficiency is obviously key but also so is kind of the longevity there's a reason that you want low staff turnover because you spend that amount of time getting them to understand your business and know your clients and I think a lot of companies have yet to see there's something about being remote that that you are physically a step removed and mm-hmm. if you're doing less days and you're never in the office the, the kind of commitment you've got to that business is likely to be far less than it ever used to be and it'll just be interesting to see in say five years time or ten years time Are what happens doing? to that cycle when businesses start to see the longer term impact of that um, flexibility you're gradually removing yourself from at least one large area of society which is your business colleagues and your business officers and your business premises um without even realizing that you're doing it and you know there's always been that thing around you spend the majority of your time with your colleagues yeah. so you need to make sure that you get on mm-hmm. and like whether you think that's right or wrong if you're stripped it out and so the majority of the time is like with your husband or kids or oh, on your own completely on your own, on your own. Um, so this morning <laughs> but um, you know this morning the guy who sits next to me at work is on holiday the girl who sits opposite me is working from home the girl who sits at a diagonal for me is working from home so I was completely isolated <laughs> for about half an hour for a, a good nearly three hours I did have some calls and things to make and by the time I was let out at lunchtime what was I like oh, quite intense it doesn't work well for me no. isolation does not work well for me I had so many things I needed to say <laughs> like not things of any importance just like words like plodge <laughs> plodge newts it just builds up inside me I don't do well with isolation but some people do you know some people do well with isolation not for me So last 
episode, we talked about the 35 to 45 age range, which we're both in. So we're going to go up an age range, 45 to 55. They're starting to think about their retirement. Yeah. People now, when we go to the pub, where it was once over, be like, oh, what are you doing? What festival are you going to this year? And now it's like, oh, when are you retiring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so going to sooner. You know, generally by that age, they've got their mortgage, it's in place, they renew it however often. Well, and not even that, but like your mortgage that. by that age, the loan to value's gone down, isn't it? You're yep. actually chipping away at it and stuff. So, like the monthly it's amount. What's your next big thing to think about? Exactly. And if we were saying like your 30% was going out on your mortgage or yeah. your 20% was going out on kids, but then once your kids are in school, or, you know, you can like just leave them a key and they can look after themselves. Yeah. Like all of those costs go massively down. So, you're right, yeah. like disposable income and stuff to start doing with it. Yeah. And you're at the up. age where you're not just going to go and spend it all going to Vegas or Coachella. Yeah. Or you may be. You may be. I think in the same way that I think younger people are getting more conscientious with their money and start thinking about it more, I think people are staying younger for longer. Yes. Appreciate memes don't uh, work well on a podcast, but I was thinking of that. I think 50-year-old in 1985 and it's um, the Golden Girls yeah. and then 50-year-old in 2020 and it's JLo on a pole. And it's exactly that. Exactly that, isn't it? Isn't it? People just um, different. Although I do feel like um, this one's us. Jay Lot 50, me at 35. <laughs> it's just somebody on a Zimmer frame laid out. Um, or just like, like me. If you didn't have your life and finances as perfectly organised as you have your. Hello. <laughs> and so you were in like your late 40s. You went to see an advisor. Mm-hmm. You were like, I oh know, 48. Kids have grown up, bugger off. I read something about, um, you know, I can't wait until the kids are off the payroll. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no, that that's is exactly the thing, like. Exactly, yeah, exactly like that. Kid tax and everything. I have to pay them, practically, <laughs> to live with me, like, to cause me trouble. So you'd spend some of your money on therapy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> For <laughs> him and me. <laughs> stress of the kids. Yeah. So you've got some more surplus income and you've, like, built up a bit of cash as well. And you're actually just thinking, oh, do you know what? Technically, in, like, seven years' time, I could I could be retiring, um, but I haven't prepped anything. I haven't done anything. What are you going to do? Like, what do you think your your first port of call would be? And um, theoretically, the correct answer is I should be saving for my pension. But, but would, would you at t- that age? Sorry, that's what I was going to say. Like, would you do pension? Because I don't think I would at forty eight. No. If you're going to access it in the next ten years, however many years, yeah, I don't think I'd go on pension because no. of the restricted. Ability. Unless you'd used everything else, like yeah. unless you had that much um, surplus income that income that you'd already really we're speaking to, is it? No. no. Um, and I think what we've always said is start young, start little, start often. That's the way to do it. And then you don't have to worry about it in your forties and fifties. You've got extra, bang it in if you want. If you don't, you can spend it and you can still be comfortable, whatever you yeah. want to do. But if you um, didn't listen to But if you didn't... Us, for me, if you were in your sort of late 40s, approaching 15, starting to panic about how am I going to be able to suddenly stop, I think I'd be thinking, absolutely, you need some savings, you should have them anyway, absolutely, you're going to probably need to supplement your income. What can you pay down now to be getting rid of um, your expenses, yeah. that your earning needs are lower in future? But what can you be doing? Like, for me, I think... We've said it all along, but I think this is the age in your life where you've got the best opportunity to earn money doing something that you love um, rather than something that you fell into or you felt like you needed to do or like circumstances kind of transpired. And that's what I was saying to my brother. Like if you're loving it, but actually you drop it down to part time hours um, from 55 or 60, mm-hmm. you're still busy. You're enjoying it. You've got all the social aspects. You've got people to talk mm-hmm. to. You've got stories and tales. You've got all the flexibility on the other side and the financial security. Like the, the finance bit's almost a yeah, nice yeah. bit. That kind of comes, you know, it's cherry on top. Oh, hop. absolutely, yeah. If you're at that age in your life where you're already thinking of how am I going to afford to retire? What does that look like? And then you also happen to hit that age range of people who are, that's your average age of getting divorced. It's like a double whammy, mm. isn't it? Average age for divorce is 44. Oh, for interesting. Women. And, um, I mean, I'm 42, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, and like, 
nearly 40, between 46 and 47 for men. And genuinely, I read that stat and thought, oh, and I did it twice before 40. <laughs> like, I'm well so done. efficient. Yeah, well really done. am. I was going to say joke on a side, but it's not even a joke. It's all true. But I have done it, and I have been there, worn the T-shirt twice, for somebody who At hasn't least. been through a divorce. And by that age, will typically have been married for a reasonable amount of time. It must be a completely different prospect, because getting divorced and going down to... You know, like everything, taking everything back on, like costs singly, you know, my own mortgage, paying for Harrison, like even before him, like just everything that you split stuff, don't you, obviously, mm. as couples. So used to doing it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, even when it wasn't a divorce and it was, um, I lived with my friend Claire and, you know, at some mm. point I had to pay all the rent on my own and you just yeah, think, yeah. oh, hang on a minute, it's really expensive to yeah. be on your own. It's almost like you're going to work every week and then someone said, right, okay, you do the same job, but I'm actually going to pay you half. Yeah. And you'd be like, pardon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me? And I have to do double the housework, you know, if you live with somebody who does some of it. I think it'd be quite a scary aspect for people. When people are at that age range and there's a lot going on, reconsidering what your retirement might look like, like Mm -hmm. depending on your financial situation, depending on your midlife crisis situation, your family, a divorce, anything like that. It depends on your view because it could seem really scary and really intimidating. Or it could seem really liberating, mm-hmm. almost like, you know, wipe the slate clean, like I've, you know, I've done my dues, got the kids off the payroll, finally, you know, yeah. can rock up once a year with a bunch of flowers for me and we'll call it quits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until I'm at home. Um, do you know what, right, though, it was Father's Day on Sunday. For Mother's Day, I got nothing off, I mean, I said I didn't want anything, which is fine, genuinely don't need anything. So I got nothing off Jude. Off Lennon, I got this stuffed teddy bear, which just said, like, best mum ever or something. It was like like a five or whatever. And Michael got a £65 uh, Newcastle United shirt. And I was just like, oh, yeah, no, that's lovely, lad. Yeah, yeah, fab, fab. I mean, because he does all sorts for you. Like, he does everything in the house and that. And, you know, like, takes you everywhere and does stuff for you. And pays all the bills and that. So, yeah. Quite a lengthy therapy session today. Fab. <laughs> there is a lot going on. Whew, Mark made the point that, you know, I know I'm going to die when I'm 92. Yes. And therefore, 46 is my midlife crisis, my actual halfway mark. It's just time to plan. So we've already got 40 to plan. And then get another one six years later. perfect. Like actual midlife. You know, we'll do the 40 milestone, but everyone does a 40 milestone. Who gets to do an actual midlife? Oh, it's like, oh, it's like hump day though, isn't it? It is like hump day. Oh, oh, it's all going downhill. (laughs) Um, Oh, no, that's really interesting, actually. Um, You've actually blown my mind. I don't know why, but I think in my head, I always thought I only have about 10 years left. So to me, it's all, I never make big long-term decisions. (laughs) I mean, this is really a therapy session, isn't it? Oh, it really is. I don't tend to make long-term decisions because I always just think I'll probably just ride it. If I live another 10 years, years, it's probably great. If somebody said to me now, right, you've got 40 years left, I think my future would look very different to what it generally does now. Oh, well, I'm telling you right now, like, you've got 40 years left. I might not. But you might, and then what will you have done? Wasted them thinking that you're 10 and then going, oh, turns out I had 12, no, I had 28, no, I had, oh, no, turns out Cathy was right. Oh, should have learned that lesson sooner. (laughs) No, yeah, it's a very interesting thought that I will take away and consider and ponder further. (laughs) I shall. Well, now you're on the cusp of your Wednesday. Oh, I am. Make any choice you want. Well, thank you, Emily. Thanks for joining us on That Mint Podcast. Do you want to start by just introducing yourself a little bit and what it is that you do now in your role? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Emily Bele. I am French <laughs> and I am the founder of Best Pods. And my mission is to empower women and to be honest, everyone uh, financially. So helping with saving, repaying debt, investing for the long term. And for me, it's bridging the wealth gap and the pension gaps are the most important things. 
So we do that with a lot of content, you know, social media videos and stuff. And we're building a school for personal finance where you can come and take classes about some of these like really important topics. And we also have a very strong community online and offline. So we've been running a lot of events. We just launched the pods, which are like local events where you can meet other people who want to talk about money. Uh, so that's been super fun. And I also do a lot of trainings for corporates, a lot of public speaking. So it's really raising awareness around inequalities around, around money. And also you personally, what can you do in terms of managing your personal finances? I think it's really hard for women. There's a lot of structural issues, but trying to you know build up confidence and what are the simple things I can do for for my finances and um, um, one of the things we talk about on our podcast is there's a lot of money taboos and that's potentially a British thing you know we don't like to talk about things um, one of them is money do you find it's similar in France is or is it actually a British thing <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's quite similar actually in France so I mean I never had any money conversation with you know my family my friends it's very taboo it's also a bit impolite to talk about money, so we just don't do it. And I started working in London in financial services. I worked for Lehman Brothers and I worked in, you know, equity capital markets. Then I worked in private equity. So my job was like super finance heavy. But at the same time, I wasn't talking about my personal finances, never talking about, you know, my income, how I manage my money, the investments I'm not making, even though I'm, you know, I'm an investor at work. So I think there's still like a big taboo around money. There can be a little bit of shame associated to not having enough money, not being able to keep up. So when you have money issues, you don't necessarily want to open up about this. And that sort of creates this circle where you're like, okay, I'm stressed about money. I don't have enough money, but I don't want to talk to anyone. So I'm even more stressed because I have to keep that for myself. And because we're not educated about money, we don't know what's right, what's wrong, what should I do with my finances? You know, who should I talk to? Who can I trust? Can I trust my bank? But now try to call your bank. It's going to be really hard to talk to someone. Now there's also money coaches on the market. So there's people to help, but you need to know where you can go and then it's also opening up the conversation understanding that money is, is some i mean people can describe money as a form of energy that will you know come and go um, or like a tool that will allow you to you know reach your goals but money is not the goal in itself so just let's treat it more as you know a commodity something that will help us to achieve our goals you know it's quite a big relief often when i run my you know local events we were in like brighton and manchester over the past two weeks and getting women in the room will open up about a story around debt that they've been struggling for a long term and it was this moment where they're like actually it's okay there's a lot of people like me but i need a plan i need just to get started i need to be accountable i can have this conversation and by slowly opening up you will feel better about money you build money habits from a very young age, from age three to seven. I mean, if your parents are talking about money in a very active way, that's great. But you hear these messages that maybe money is quite scarce and you grow up thinking, yeah, there's not enough money. I'm going to run out of money or I can't save. I can't do this thing. So there's a little bit of work to do, but it's really like where to start. And it can be super overwhelming because we're all super busy. We, you know, we're working, people are living, you know, you can maybe living paycheck to paycheck. So when do you actually stop, sit down, think about money mindset? What is money for you? Isn't that um, just interesting when you said about the association with money being formed at such a young age? You know, um, I've got a five-year-old now um, that already I'll be having on how he sees money for the whole rest of his life. But I think it's important to, to tackle it and you don't need to talk about, you know, 
big numbers or anything you do or like your own like struggles and challenges with money but maybe working on like a budget or taking them to the supermarket showing them what you buy what you put in your basket how much does it cost and like showing like what you do with money but for example receiving amazon packages every day is gonna send the wrong message to kids because they're like yeah we can get all this thing is it for free <laughs> oh literally he's like um, oh if i need that just ma- it's okay mommy you just go on your phone and then the mum brings it to the door and it's like no <laughs> that's not that's not what happens <laughs> i mean it is but there's bits in between <laughs> <laughs> I have started saying that to actually around them. Um, you know, all these things that we have, it's because when you're in school, I'm in work and I'm working really hard and it's just yeah. that kind of planted in his head. Um, I know that you you do a lot of work with women and I think, you know, we do the same. We try to empower women just because I think over, you know, history, <laughs> over all time, um, women have historically earned less or, you know, they have had different struggles. Why do you think women have been impacted so much and what can we do to change that? Yeah, so I think we, we have to recognize that there's some things that will take a lot of time to change. So equal pay is one. If women are still paid less than men, that means less money being saved, less money being invested over you know, a long period of time. We are still the primary caregivers for kids, but also elderly parents, communities. Women will take time off work. They will start to work part-time to take care of people around them, still a lot more than, than men. So again, less money being earned, less money being saved. Women tend to work also maybe flexibly a lot more. These are going to have an impact on you know, how, much, how much money you, you actually make. Um, then you take some time off to have your kids. Uh, you know, this motherhood penalty. And I worked in Thailand and I thought, I'm never going to stop working. That's going to be fine. This is the journey. It's always, you know, I'm going to increase my salary every year. But then you have kids, you take time off work, a year, two years, three years, very, very easily, time when you're not earning. So if you're not having this conversation with your partner, if you have a partner, I mean, it's also how can they help you during this time? You make sure you keep up with at least some savings or some pension savings because that creates a huge gap at the end of the journey. It's just you think it's just the money you didn't save, but it's actually this money you didn't save that wasn't invested, that didn't compound for like 30 years. And that's why women will retire with a portion, like a very small portion of you know, pension savings of men. And that creates this, this huge gap. So it's really like all these factors are building up and creating these huge, um, huge inequalities. So that's why I also wanted to focus on women. And it's also super empowering to hear other women share their stories because you feel you're not on your own. You understand how they're doing it. And because women, we haven't been necessarily talking about money. Um, there's this taboo around money. We still earn less. We haven't been part of the conversation, you know, with like financial institution, not enough money, like women in the space. I think it's really, yeah, empowerment, a bit of confidence, um, because women are like super capable. So it's not like we don't want to be patronized with our finances. Also, we can do it. It's just that, you know, we need a space to actually do it. I think it's the big stuff, isn't it? Like you were saying, everything from kind of society down to kind of the, the detail of it, because the whole sort of financial services industry was originally built by men for men. Yeah as all industries were and BNY Mellon did a report um, just recently and it was looking into why women don't invest and how you can get them involved and it's even down to that men are kind of programmed to see risk as an exciting thing and something that they yeah. want to go at and women hear the exact same word in the exact same context and it's a scary word and they hear risk and it's something that they want to come away from so as soon as you say you know we'll look at your attitude to risk or there is a risk attached to investing men will go yep yeah, 
great. Let me get nice. about it. Yeah, nah, yeah. Let me go and challenge that lion. Um, and when you say it to women, it's like, no, absolutely not. Kind of, and it's just this kind of programmed, you know, in your brain. Yeah. Can be quite scary, but in the end, you know, risk is is quite a good thing. It's just that you need to understand it. And and I don't think women are risk um, adverse. I think they're more risk aware. So, you know, it's maybe doing a bit more research, a bit more diligence, really understanding what you get yourself into. But then women are very comfortable actually taking risk for you know their investments and knowing also knowing why they invest. And I think the financial services industry has been focusing on selling products and telling you you can get this type of returns. But women are more like, okay, I want to make you know some money with my money, but with investing, but actually these are my financial goals. And I want to make sure I have enough money to pay for these things. I want to have enough money for my family. So I think it's changing the conversation, but it's not just like marketing products in a different way. I think it's really trying to understand what women want and what are the, the, the pain points. Women almost need to see people who look like them and sound like them and have similar yeah. experiences. And I do think it's really important. It like demystifies it a little bit as well. Yeah, doesn't it doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's less intimidating, mm. um, whether rightly or wrongly it is. Was that one of your, what was your main influences for starting this pod? Did that have an impact? Was that a consideration? So I, I mean, my background is in finance, but actually the way finance work is maybe not working for women. I mean, for me, it was really hard to project myself in this type of industry. Having, I mean, I have three kids <laughs> and I was like, you know, is this working for me? So the idea for me with Vespod was to build something in finance that didn't look like finance. And that was a lot more focused on the consumer, the user, the community that were not part of this like old school financial world. And everything, when you think about finance, it's really like, yeah, the wolf of Wall Street. And, and women can't really relate to that, even if finance is not necessarily like that. So for me, it was just showing that, okay, finance is made of people like you and me. We all earn money. We all save money. We all repay debt. A lot of people have pensions. So they actually are investors in the stock market. So you should all be like the face of, of finance. And I didn't necessarily want to be like, you know, the face of Vespod, but I think it was important for people to see a woman talking about money in a very like simple way without the jargon to make it like, a, you know, you're talking with a friend to really normalize money conversation, democratize this, you know, personal finance, the ingoings and outgoings. So like, you know, the, the day to day, um, small changes can make a big difference and you can sort of reallocate the money to what, what has a lot of value for you. Um, and I think it's the time to really think about that and changing some of our, of our habits. And, and it would be good for, for us. It will be good for the planet. It will be sustainable. So there, I think there's a lot of things we can, we can do today and it's maybe, it's maybe the right time to do it. Amazing. Thank you, Emily. Emily. Oh, it's been really helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for people who want to find out a little bit more, where should they head to? So vestpod.com, uh, where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, where we just send tips every week about managing your finances. You'll find our events, podcasts, uh, and on Instagram at vestpod, uh, just for daily inspiration um, mm. about money. I need some bit inspiration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's such a long way. Go have a little drink and set out on a bench in the sunshine. Also, are we recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, my I goodness. Know.
Modern technology. What oh. next? Phones without cables. <laughs> you have a feeling that. I think there's something around the back of there, you know. Oh, I don't know what. We've been in this office two years and we don't even know. We just go in and out, in and out. I said you can be glad to walk around again. You come down, when you come out the door, turn left and then left again and come around the back of the building. Genuinely, the second that you're outside with a little bit of sunshine and sitting on the grass, doesn't it just feel like a whole different world? I mean, I tell you what, if, so, if she comes round here and she's got Ocean Colour scene on her phone here, I'm going to nail it, are me? We were talking about like, lazy, hazy summer days when you can... Um, have a lot of fun without spending a lot of money. So your memories of like a summer as you were a kid. Like oh, what games did you used to play? What did rounders. you used to do? Oh, rounders is a yeah, beauty. You kicky rounders. Yeah. You only had a couple of them. Last time we went camping, we all played um, rounders and it was like, it started off immediately me going, which is like the phrase from your childhood. You got my no blammers. <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately did a blammer and it went in the field, like the other field. I was like, oh, I said no blammers. Oh, I'll tell you I what I used to love, um, getting my bike and flipping it upside down and pretending like the pedal was an ice cream machine. <laughs> oh, that is so specific. Did you make ice cream? And then you used to just—I mean, it was an imaginary thing. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, it was ice cream coming out the pedal of your no. bike. Um, oh, do it as fast as you can and then drop a stone <laughs> on the moving wheel and see how far it could. Oh, like, yeah. You used to put um, cards in the back of your wheels, or didn't you, to make it sound like a motorbike? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know how to play it. I just know that. Well, my point was going to be, you get the big marble. Oh, like a clemmy. A clemmy. Oh wow! I think I would say clemmy. Um, I felt like campsite, but wasn't that the ones that literally like had like the eye in the middle? Yeah. Also, I bet you know how to make a daisy crown, do you? I do. How do you yeah. make it? Do you like wrap it? Yeah, get it right at the bottom. Yeah. And then you need a really Yes, no, thin. but right, no, like, that's how I used to make it, and then poke it through. Yeah. I found a new, a new way, look, by oh, somebody called like Moonchild. I know, but you will love it. Look, I took this photo especially for you. These aren't very good daisies. These are rubbish. Look at that theory about how to make a crown. Look at it, it looks class. It's a beauty, isn't it? Looks secure as well. If you've got a good daisy, of which these are. Good, aren't. thick, long daisy. No, these aren't. There were some decent ones over there. I saw some decent I was going to make them a daisy chain. But, um, but would you do it like that by sticking your thumb in the middle and then poking it through? That's how I do it. That's the alternative. Oh, yeah, that what? was just some flipping. It was like sailor's knots, that. Dock a ship with it. Oh, I'm enjoying the sun. It's Thanks as ever to, the, to Glenn and Matt from Second Draft and to everybody at the Verve Group who helps make this such an amazing um, podcast. And thanks to everybody who has helped us on our journey. See you next week.
I love water fights. That's another great thing you can do in summer for free. Water fights. Water fight. fight. What a beaut. A pack of water balloons. Water balloons and they're like dead deep. And even then, I used to be like, oh, mum, have you finished with washing up liquid bottle? And then sometimes she wasn't quite finished and I used to spill it down the sink and then it would be dead bubbly. And you know, I'd blind the kid next door. But, you know, I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, Mama put it in a cup. Sometimes I used to put it in a cup for her. She was not impressed with having loads of them. Um, oh, my man, I need it. Oh, with my man. Oh, my man, you've got the wages. Oh, Mum, can I have 15 pence and water balloons? No! Take a cork. God. <laughs> Running about with like the cork that you got from the Easter egg. <laughs> like a big square cabbage dairy milk cork. <laughs> you can water about. Why well, could we not even get like 15 pence balloons or a 10 pence juice cork? We'd be like, oh, go and have a look in my purse. See if we can find it. Mothballs. That movement. You can't see them. I'm going to under your Oh little stabby God, black leather bit. <laughs> it was like a big, like the heaviest clasp I think, so I couldn't get in. And it was just like... Oh, man, man. Mama. Oh, man. Aww.